Father, I just thank you for this word. I just thank you for this word. This is a word that God put on my heart so strongly a couple weeks ago. And I know that, it, it, oh, Jesus, you have so much compassion for your people. You have so much compassion for those of, of your children who are seeking and, and coming to you, asking, seeking, and knocking, but maybe haven't yet seen the result. So, Father, as I share this word today, I pray for light light to come into our souls, light to come into our hearts, light to lift us up and gird us up on the journey that we're on. And Father, you know me, I call it a healing journey. So Father, I pray for everybody here in their healing journey and that this word, this seed is a seed that richly blesses them and girds them up during their journey. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Before we get started, Kent, I'm sorry, I'm going back and forth. He's trying to tape this. He'll have to cut this out. Actually, he probably won't. Because this is an awesome testimony. And um, I, I saw you guys two weeks ago, and then last week was Easter, so I didn't see anybody last week except via the phone. And Jim, raise your hand, Jim. I met him last two weeks ago. I met him for the first time two weeks ago. And when he came, you could just see a lot of pain. You could see it in his face. You could see it in his, his body, um, just his movement and stuff. You could just sense a lot of pain. And when he came in today, he looked a lot different. He looked a lot different. And the first thing he said is, it is night and day. He said, that night, it's, it began. It wasn't an immediate, complete, um, I, I don't even want to say miraculous healing, but the pain started to lessen. He was having a lot of back pain. We had words of knowledge. We laid hands on him. We prayed. The pain got less that night. And it's been getting less and less and less and less and less. And he is now living almost 100% pain-free. He's got maybe 5%. And we said, okay, that's got to go too, right? Amen. Amen. So we praise God. We praise God with you, Jim. He's in the middle of a battle against cancer, and there are numerous others in here as well. And that's just, uh, it just builds us all up to see that, Jim. And it, it puts you in a different position, believing God, right? When that pain has diminished so much. So praise God. Praise God, and I'm believing that for anybody else in here who is experiencing pain, because that's for you as well. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> now, a couple weeks ago, I want to do a little quick, quick review. Two weeks ago, I taught on healing prayer and how to pray for healing. I zeroed in on six different kinds of prayer that when prayed effectively, go together in a really powerful way. So the first one I talked about was the prayer petition, praying for those specific requests, those specific needs. It's interesting because Kelly called me about, I don't know, the next day or two days later, and there was a specific need that her and Nathan were believing. And she said, okay, will you agree with me for that prayer of petition? And I said, oh yeah, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. I saw her later that day. It was Good Friday, and they came to church here on Good Friday. And that petition had been met just like that. 
That's the prayer petition. It's for a specific need in the midst of your journey. Along with the prayer petition is the prayer of thanksgiving. Because the Bible says in Philippians 4 that we're to bring God our prayers and our petitions with thanksgiving. And then he guards our heart with that peace that passes all understanding in the midst. And, um, and we talked about how thanksgiving and uh, the prayer of petition go hand in hand. And it literally causes your faith to abound when you pray with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving sustains you in your faith while you're waiting for the manifestation. So we talked about those two going hand in hand. We talked about the prayer of um, authority and using the authority that we have as a believer to speak directly to the situation, the pain, the organ. That's what we were doing when we were making declarations today. Speaking to the mountain. That's what Jesus told us to do. So we talked about that. We talked about the prayer of agreement and how important it is to agree with the word of God and to agree with one another. We talked about the prayer of um, edification, specifically praying in tongues. And that when we pray in the spirit, if you're filled with the spirit, if not, we'd love to talk to you and pray with you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But that's one of the ways that you, you get built up. The Bible says that when we pray in tongues, we are built up personally. And I can attest to that. How many of you can as well? Yeah. So praying um, in tongues for just to be built up and, and, um, and spiritually and physically and in any way that you need. Then we talked about the prayer of praise and how praise positions us in a perspective to see the bigness of God instead of the bigness of the problem. And it also causes the enemy to turn in his tail and run, right? So we talked about all of those kinds of prayer last week. And as I was preparing that message, I, there's something that was in my heart that was just, I, I believe it was the compassion of Christ. And I was preparing that message about effective prayer for healing. And, and the thought in my heart was, I see people praying effectively. I see people speaking effectively. I see people praying the prayer of edification effectively. And they haven't all seen the manifestation of that prayer come to pass. So it's like, God, let's talk about it. (laughs) So that's where this teaching came from. What to do or why, I'm going to read the title. Why does it seem, and I'm going to focus on the word seem. Why does it seem that your prayers are going unanswered. The bottom line is they aren't going unanswered. But it may seem like it because you haven't yet seen the manifestation in your body or in your whatever it is that you're believing for. So we're going to go to the word and see what the word says. Because you're going to, I believe, and that's what I've been praying, that God is going to turn a light on and show you what is indeed happening with that powerful, effective prayer. So, here's the first amazing truth. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. The word says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Our part is to ask, to seek, and to knock. The promise is that when we ask, we'll receive. When we seek, we'll find. And when we knock, the door will be opened. Now, many people, many Christians, believers, read that and they say, well, that scripture can't mean what it appears to mean because I haven't experienced that in my life. You see, they're basing their, their understanding on experience instead of truth. And that is dangerous. In Romans 3, listen to this, verse 3 and 4. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? So does unbelief change the truth? Does unbelief change the faithfulness of God? No. Just because we don't see it or perhaps don't believe it, that doesn't make it unreal. That doesn't change the truth in any way, form, or fashion. And then it goes on to say, absolutely not. God will always be proven faithful and true to his word. While people or experiences are proven to be liars or false. This will fulfill what was written in the scriptures. Your words will always be vindicated and you will rise victorious when you're being tried by your critics. So the bottom line is that God's word is true. God will always be proven faithful and true to his word. And when his word says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open, then when you ask, you will receive. When you seek, you will find. And when you knock, the door will be opened. God's word is true. In this world, yes, thank you for that, amen. In this world, what we've done is we've mixed up experience with truth. And we've tried to fit truth into our experiences. And what has happened is we've made the truth not true anymore. We've polluted it. We've diluted it. We've changed it up and tried to make it fit into our experiences. No, we can't do that. The truth is true. And we can't mix it up with experiences and try to make it fit. Often, if we don't, or when we don't, receive the physical manifestation of our prayer, and we haven't yet received it, we might question the word. We might question the will of God or the word of God. And that, if we question the truth, if we question the word, it can cause our faith or our expectations to falter. God doesn't say no to something he's already said yes to. That's not my God. He just doesn't. We need to learn to interpret our circumstances by the word and not the other way around. Psalm 89, 34, listen to this good news. You might want to write this one down and put it on your refrigerator. God says, no, I will not break my covenant. I will not take back a single word I said. That's truth. That's my God. Yes. So I'm going to go 
through about four or five points that are based on biblical truth to help you to understand what is happening when you pray. The first thing I want to share is that there's a difference between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. Just be, and, and so here we are, we are human, human beings, and we have, a, our physical realm is easy because we can see it and we can feel it. Our physical realm is easy because we have all of our senses. The spiritual realm is a little bit different because we can't see it or feel it always. Sometimes we can. Sometimes God opens the, the, the veil or whatever, and we can enter in and, and experience spiritually and feel or see or hear into the spiritual realm. But m- many of us don't perceive in the spiritual realm as easily or readily as we perceive in the physical realm. But that doesn't mean that there's not a whole lot going on. So what I want to give you right now is a biblical example. This is from the book of 2 Kings. And this is, about, this is an account about Elisha. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. So this king had a huge army, and they were coming to battle against Elisha and, and the people, his people. It was great. It was huge. It was Way more than what they had. When the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha's servant, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Elisha said, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Now, in the physical realm, there weren't more. In the physical realm, the army of Aram was way bigger. More horses, more chariots, more soldiers. But Elisha said, don't worry because there's more on our side. And then Elisha prayed. And he said, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, that was in the spiritual realm. That wasn't in the physical realm. He prayed, and God opened his eyes. That was a spiritual army, a host of angels, an angelic army. And there, they were way more, way greater number than the physical army. And God opened his eyes to be able to see that. So when Elisha spoke the words and he said, for there are more on our side than on theirs, he wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. But the truth was in the spiritual realm. We're talking today. I know I've, I've shared with you what, how I differentiate truth and facts. Truth is the word of God, the promises of God. Facts are what we see in the natural realm. So in this account, the fact is that the army of Aram was way bigger than than Elisha's troops. But the truth was that there were actually more on Elisha's side in the spiritual realm. So let's apply that to us. I remember when I was first learning about the truth of the word and my friend Jenny the other Jenny somebody asked Jenny are you the Jenny (laughs) nope 
She's beautiful. But she's not the Jenny that I always talk about. The Jenny told me to, to take the word and to start to feed on the word. And I remember when I did that, I, I, I felt like it wasn't true. I felt, I've told you this before. I felt like it was like a fairy tale. It was really good news, the promises of God. It was really good news, but I felt like it was almost too good to be true news. Do you know that's what, another word for the gospel? Almost too good to be true? Well, that's how I felt. So like Elisha, when I was speaking the truth, it didn't really feel like the truth until I fed and fed and fed and fed and fed on the word. And that truth grew in me and grew in me and grew in me until it was big. It was bigger than that doctor's report. So the reason I'm saying this is sometimes when we declare the promises of God, we might feel like we're lying. We're not. We're declaring what's ours in the spiritual realm, just like Elisha was. And it's true. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not true. Right? So when we're declaring the promises, when we're declaring the word of God, we're declaring what's true in the spiritual realm, just like Elisha was. Isn't that good news? John 6.63, listen to this. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives life. That which is of the natural realm is of no help. The words I speak to you are spirit and life, but there are still some of you who won't believe. So this is Jesus speaking. And, and I've never really real, never seen this before in the scripture until this week. That God says that the words that he speaks are spirit and life. That's like what Elisha was speaking. That's like what I speak when I speak the word. I am speaking spiritual truths. I am speaking life, and it's living. It's alive, and it's powerful. And, but then it says, but that which is of the natural realm is of no help. Now, I'm not saying it's of no help, but I believe this very firmly. I'm not saying that medicine is of no help. I'm not saying that doctors are of no help. I'm not saying that physical things are of no help. But what I am saying is that we need to put the spirit and life at the top, top priority, giving it lordship over the physical things. That's where the power is. And then it says, but there are some of you who still won't believe. Have you ever been in that position? When you're speaking truth and declaring your healing and people around you don't believe you. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not real. That doesn't. And in fact, let that gird you up. Let that propel you even higher in your walk and say, okay, I'm on the right track. That is true. I'm standing and I'm standing firm. So the first thing I wanted to show you is there is so much in the spiritual realm that we can't even perceive. So this, I'm going to give you just many nuggets to take home and to meditate on this week. One of them is to say, God, hmm, what's going on in the spiritual realm? Because I know there's something. I might not see it. I might not perceive it. But I know that there is a whole lot happening that I might not be seeing. Okay, here's the next thing I want to share with you. According to the word of God, he always answers. 
when you pray according to his will. Always. See, I, all caps. I mean it. He always answers. Because I believe the word. And listen to this word. This is 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us as our present, as I should read, I guess, that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked of him. Is that good news? Listen to the confidence in that scripture. We have confidence that when we pray according to his will, that he hears us. And not only does he hear us, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests that we've asked of him. Amen. Amen. Now, there's, there's the, the clause in there. It's very important that when we pray according to his will. Is it God's will to heal? Yes, because the word says so. His word is his will. Now, friends, if you don't know that, if you don't understand that, it's okay. I didn't understand that. I lived 43 years not understanding that it was God's will to heal. Most of you, I've seen your faces a lot, and you do know that. But if you, are, if you don't, if, you're, if you don't understand Come and ask one of us on the team, and we will give you biblical evidence that, yes, it is God's will to heal. So, if we know it's God's will to heal, we are praying according to his will when we're praying for healing. And as the moment we pray, our prayer is answered. He always answers. He always answers when we pray according to his will. So... What actually happens when we ask in prayer is that God moves immediately and gives you the answers to your prayers in the spiritual realm. That's where God's part stops and ours picks up. God answers our prayers in the spiritual realm. And then our faith is the key that brings the answer from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. We're going to talk a whole lot more about that as we go on tonight. Oh, God, there's just so much. I thank you, God, that you give me the way to explain this, to speak this in a way that is so clear. Thank you, Father. Salvation is ours. It's the potential for everybody. It only becomes ours when we believe it and receive it. Healing is ours. Healing yesterday, 17 years ago, was mine. But the healing I need today, I need to believe and receive today. My faith from 17 years ago isn't going to get me healed today. For my need today. It's always present tense. 
When we pray, when, when we prayed, Nathan and Kelly and I prayed that petition, that prayer of petition, we prayed and our faith joined together the prayer of agreement, brought it from the spiritual realm into the physical realm. God did his part. He answered our prayer. Our faith is what moved it from the spiritual realm to the physical realm. We have a part to play. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So let's go back to our senses. It says faith proves what is unseen. Once you see it, you don't need faith. You need faith to believe or to, to get the thing from the spiritual realm into the physical realm that you haven't yet seen. I like to use this analogy. Think of a rain cloud, a rain cloud, a storm cloud, dark cloud. When you see that cloud, it's a sign that it's going to rain. But it doesn't, it's not just a sign. It also carries the rain. And when that cloud is completely full and saturated, rain falls out of it. Faith is very similar. Faith is like that rain cloud. It says here that faith is the evidence of things you haven't yet seen. Faith is the evidence of that miracle that you're believing for. So your faith is the sign. Now, in you, you you know that faith in your heart. You know when you're strong in your faith, you know when you're feeling puny in faith. Many times I can hear faith in your words. When I'm in a position of building up my own faith, I can feel when it's, when it's building up and, and I'm declaring the word like we did at the beginning and something shifts in the spiritual realm. I can feel that. That's the evidence. That's the cloud. You don't see it with your physical eyes, but you can sense it with your spiritual senses. That's the evidence, but it doesn't just point to the miracle. It also carries it just like the cloud carries the rain. And when that is full uh, term, because I use the pregnancy analogy a lot too, when you're full term, with the seed of the promise, you become pregnant with the promise and you're getting bigger and bigger incubating that promise and you're ready to deliver it, then that's when it comes. That's when it rains down, just like the cloud rains when it's completely full. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Here's another scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. So our faith brings what God has already accomplished into the physical realm. God gives it to us in the spiritual realm. He answers our prayers in the spiritual realm, just like he did Elisha. And then faith brings it into the physical realm. We might not perceive that right away before it's come into the physical realm. You might not perceive it. That's what, that doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean it's not real. It is The answer is, in fact, it's more real than the physical realm. Faith is believing something is happening 
outside of your five senses. And God tells us to believe it until we see it. Believe it until we see it. Let's look at a scripture. Mark 11, verse 24. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them and they'll be given to you. Another promise. Ask, believe that you have received and it will be given to you. I, if I was writing that scripture, I'm not. Holy Spirit did it through Mark in this, in this gospel. But I would say, for this reason I'm telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer in accordance with God's will, believe with confidence, trust that you have received them. Believe with confident trust that you have received them. Keep believing with confident trust that you have received them. And I would say that about a hundred times. And they will be given to you. Believe it until you see it. And you know, when I stand in that position of believing, it's not a work. It's more of a a trust. Say, God, I, I just believe you. It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what I feel. I just believe you with everything in my heart. I believe you. Amen. So I want to share an analogy right now. This is an Andrew Womack analogy. <clears throat> but it's just getting deeper and deeper in me. And I think it's worth, really worth me sharing. So he uses the analogy of radio signals. Right now, there are radio signals right here right now. But we don't hear them. They're being broadcast at a higher frequency than what our human ears can hear. In order for us to hear radio signals, you have to have a receiver that transforms the signal and changes it into a different frequency that we can hear. Let me say that again. Because I'm just learning this. And I need to get it in me. So there's radio signals here, but they're at a higher frequency than our ears can hear. And in order for us to hear a radio signal, if you're in your car and you turn on the radio, what happens is that receiver transforms the, the frequency into a, a signal that we can hear, that our human ears can hear. It's called demodulation. It's in a lower frequency. So right now, we can't hear. There's no radio receiver. We can't hear anything. So you might say, Cindy, I don't believe you. Does that make it not true? No. Now, let's apply that to what I'm talking about in the spiritual realm. Our prayers have been answered in the spiritual realm. We are the receivers Our faith is what transforms the signal from the spiritual realm, the power in the spiritual realm, into the power in the physical realm that we can see, hear, and feel in our physical bodies or in our situations. We're the receivers, and our faith is the transformer. That, that, that switches it from one frequency to another, from the spiritual realm to the physical realm. Isn't that awesome? It's a good analogy. 
But we have a part to play. We have a part to play. God moves in the spiritual realm and gives us the answers to our prayers. And then we convert it into the physical realm through our actions, through our faith, through our active faith. I'm going to give a preview of what is coming. I'm going to talk in the next time I share about active and passive faith. Active faith. We're talking about the faith that converts the spiritual into the physical realm. There's a big difference between passivity and active faith. So we're going to go there in a few weeks. So this will become even more practical. Because you might be saying, okay, how in the heck do I do this? How do I turn that faith switch? Well, we're going to go there. We're going to get deeper into that in the next week or two. But I want to show you that we do have a very important part to play. This is Ephesians 3.20. This is scripture. The other thing was an analogy. This is scriptural truth that backs up my analogy. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I love this scripture. I love it. The first part of us talking about our amazing God who, when he answers our prayers, he does it in such an amazing way, bigger, more amazing than we could ever ask. I know in, um, he's convinced me, he's convinced me that I don't ever ask him how to do, I, I ask, I ask, I always ask God, but I don't ask in a specific way, because I know his way is always way better than my way, so much better. But there is another part to that scripture. It says, according to the power that works in us. I want to give you an example of what this looks like in in a situation that I'm praying for right now. Um, Our middle son is getting married in the summer. Yay. (laughs) And um, he and his wife are not walking in faith or with God. They're both beautiful people. They're very loving, respectful, beautiful couple, crazy in love. They're going to have a good marriage. I feel good about them getting married. But they don't know Jesus the way that I know Jesus. And um, I, of course, have been praying for them. But this is what is in my heart. I have this joy, this expectation of how God's going to do it. I don't know how. I don't try to know how. But I know that it's going to be over the top amazing, better than I could ever figure out. And not only do I um, have faith, I have literally an excitement to see how he's going to do it and what he's going to do and what it's going to look like. But that's not just a, a wish and a dream. I have a part to play according to the power that works in us. And that power is my active faith. So what does that look like? Oh, let me tell you what it looks like. I speak blessings over those kids all the time. I speak blessings over their marriage. I speak blessings over their communication. I speak blessings over their intimacy, one with the other. I speak blessings over their, their um, children that they'll have, my grandbabies, one day. I speak blessings over their, their walk and their talk with God. I speak blessings over them, you know, finding the Lord and how in the world that's going to happen, I don't know. But I speak blessings over it. I speak over them. 
I declare over them, and this is what I don't do. I don't worry. I don't, I don't get depressed. No. And you know why? Because I have seen God do this in my other kids. I could tell you a story. I'm not going to because it's a long story. But I could tell you a story about Chad and Kay that is over the top, unbelievably amazing. And Chad and Kay were in the same place as Adam and Marianne. So I just get excited and say, okay, God, what you going to do this time? That's how God works. But our part is the act of faith, the power that works in us. I'll, to be continued, I'll let you know the end of the story soon. So <clears throat> the next big idea, we have an essential part to play. The problem is many Christians are ignorant that we have a part to play. I'm going to give you an example. This is an example of um, what God says his will is about salvation. So 2 Peter, I think it's 2 Peter 3.9 says, This means that, contrary to man's perspective, the Lord is not late with his promise to return as some measure lateness. But rather, his delay simply reveals his loving patience toward you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So that's God's will. And he's such a loving father that he's, he, he cares. He, he's so patient and so loving. But he wants all to come to repentance. But the question is, for people not to perish, for people to come to repentance for people like my son and his fiance to fall in love with God, a seed has to go in there. God's done his part. Jesus died on the cross. My kids have to have a seed in their heart. They have to conceive. I'm not talking about grandbabies right now. I'm talking about faith. They have to conceive the promise. And then they have to grow big and pregnant with that promise and deliver it. But how's that seed going to get in there? <clears throat> Romans 10, verse 13 and 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? You see, we have a part to play in people hearing the gospel. That's why I do what I do. Now, my calling, my heart is the gospel of healing. That's part of salvation. That's part of that word saved because that's sozo. Sozo means saved, healed, delivered, made whole. And just as people need to know about Jesus, they need to know about the truth of the word in order to, to want Jesus, they need to know about healing. They need to know the truth about healing. The seed of healing needs to be planted in order for faith to spring up. So we have an essential part to play, both in passing getting the word out, but also getting the word in to our own heart. 
So the next thing I want to um, just share with you for a moment is another going back to the, the big question, why does it seem as if my prayers are going unanswered? I want to talk for a minute about what might be happening that we don't see. What might be going on in the spiritual realm? And I'm not just taking a wild guess. I'm going to give you some biblical examples. So let's look. Both of these are from the book of Daniel. Daniel was a man who lived during the exile, um, when the Israelites were exiled to Babylon. And during that 70 years, he was in the Babylon area, but he was a strong prophetic man, a very a man, very beloved to God. He was very um, uh, committed and, and no matter what, even to the point of, you know, the story of being thrown in the lion's den. And anyway, um, he was praying for Israel. He was praying for them to come to repentance, for their heart to be um, cut to the heart for their their God. And in um, chapter 9, that's what he's doing. He's praying. Daniel says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And then the next several verses are the actual prayer that he prayed. Now remember, we're talking about prayer. Prayer being answered by God. In verse 20, Now, while I was still speaking, praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, this is the angel Gabriel, guys, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was sent out. And I've come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. So, and then he goes on and he he talks more. Gabriel explains more things to Daniel. But what I want you to see is that at the beginning of your supplications... The command went out. God sent the command. God sent the answer at the moment he started to pray. So that's chapter 9 of Daniel. Now we're going to look at chapter 10 of Daniel. A little different story. Another example. Again, he's praying for Israel again. And in this example, he, he prayed. And then he set himself to fast and to stand That's where many of you are right now. You're believing. You've asked, you're believing, and now you're standing. He had been in that position for three weeks. And this is where I'm going to pick up. Verse 10, Daniel 10, verse 10. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. This, once again, is the angel Gabriel. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God, your request has been heard in heaven. So when was his request heard? Immediately, the first day. 
I have come in answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, for three weeks, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. There was spiritual warfare going on. The angel Gabriel, the angel Michael, the archangel Michael versus a demonic spiritual force. There was spiritual battle. Satan was fighting to keep the answer from Daniel. That's perhaps what might be happening in our situation. But there's one big difference. What is it? We have Holy Spirit. What else? Where's the devil in, in, in our situation? Defeated under our feet. Absolutely. Wasn't so, Daniel. So the the enemy's been stripped of his authority, right? But he's still a deceiver. And he very likely might be trying to keep the answer from you. He may be trying to thwart your faith. Because when we have that delay... It's very possible, like I said earlier, that we might start to question ourselves, maybe even question the will or the word of God, and our faith falters. Our expectation, that expectation that I talked about when I was talking about Adam and Marianne, that excitement, that joy, might not feel so excited and so joyful. I want to give you some examples of ways that the enemy, common tactics that I've experienced myself. Because the enemy knows that our faith is a big deal. And if he can get our faith to be a little uh, um, attacked, then he can get in there and try to illegally, illegally do his stealing, killing, or destroying. So here are some common tactics. Pain and symptoms. Big ones. Pain and symptom is really, really hard, especially if they seem to be increasing. It's really hard to stay in that steadfastness of believing and believing and believing and believing and believing until you see it. I've experienced what I call counterfeit pain or symptoms of pain. They're not even real. Now, sometimes there is really a cause for pain. I'm not saying that. But there are also times when there's a symptom. I'm sorry, um, uh, I call it a counterfeit or a symptom of pain, but it's not real. It's not real. It's a lie. I'm going to give you an example. I told Glenn. I'm going to use him for an example today. Glenn, raise your hand. That guy right there, that strong, handsome golfer guy, healed of lymphoma supernaturally amazing testimony. He loves to tell a story. So if you want a good testimony, go talk to him after the meeting. But, um, and he's been healed for how many years now? Since last summer. Since last summer. Okay. Year, a little over a year. Year and a half. It'll be two years this summer. Or it'll be one year this summer. Okay, one year this summer. So a few months back, he started having a symptom and pain with that symptom, and it was in his abdomen. And it was in one location, and it, was, um, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't go. 
It was very, it stayed. And I had two or three evenings when I had a word of knowledge, I felt what you were feeling. And, um, and I, I gave the word of knowledge. One time was here, one time was in Troy, and he happened to be in Troy that night. So, I mean, it was definitely a, a very a, attack. And we prayed and we came against it. He, um, it, it didn't leave. It didn't leave. And he ended up going and having a test. Was it an MRI? CAT scan? What kind of test was it? Oh, I had an ultrasound. An ultrasound. So he had an ultrasound to check it. There was nothing there. When the doctor's evidence proved the word of God and agreed with the word of God, the symptom left. The pain left. It was a lying pain. It was a lying symptom. It was a counterfeit. The enemy does that. I've experienced counterfeit symptoms many times. Not once or twice. Many, many times. And when I take a stand and stand on the word, it leaves. Sometimes it takes a while, though. Sometimes it takes a while. But many times, the enemy does that. Is there counterfeit? I have a lot of success with praying against pain. When people call me on the phone and they're fighting pain, and I believe the reason it's, I'm so successful is because I'm, it's a spirit. And I have authority. And when I speak over it and tell it to go, it does go. Almost every time somebody calls me with a, a, with a pain issue and we pray over the phone, the pain goes. So pain and symptoms, that's one of the enemy's tactics. Another one is the report of man, the doctor's reports. I've had many of people that I've talked to make a choice not to read the report. Because of that, when you read the report and get all of those details, and then if you look up those words and figure out where those details are, it can become a, 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 a big giant to overcome. So doctor's reports, it's another one of those things that can cause you, your faith to be um, attacked. Another one is words spoken by people. I tell you, I don't know why people speak the way they do sometimes. It's just, it's like cruel the way they speak to you when they know what you're fighting sometimes. And it's, I remember when I was in the, the midst of my battle, I had a woman um, that I, her husband was fighting melanoma at the same time that I was fighting melanoma. And I had some really good news. My friend Jenny had been giving me this really good news. And I was, I was in that place of confident, joyous expectation of what God was doing in me. I knew he was taking good care of me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that God's will was for me to be well. And I was expecting healing. And I wanted to share it with her. She needed that news. And so I invited her to come after school. I asked her to come. I said, I have something I want to share with you. So she came to my room, and I got, had my Bible, and I had some cassette tapes, because this is 17 years ago, cassette tapes, and I had a Charles Capps book, and I was ready to tell her everything I could tell her. I mean, I was a baby. I didn't know a lot, but I wanted to share it. But that's not what happened. She started to talk to me with this tone of voice that was like, are you crazy? Do you really believe that you're going to be healed of stage four cancer, that's not the way it works, Cindy. You know, you're in denial. 
that's, that's just not going to happen. And when I left that day, I had so much fear that I could hardly breathe. I remember I went to church. It was a Wednesday. I went to church that night, and I went and got Jenny. <laughs> and I said, Jenny, I told her what happened. Jenny gave me two words of wisdom. The first word she said was, Cindy, you don't have to minister to other people right now. Don't think that, that that's not where, you're, where you need to be right now. You need to be abiding in the word and letting the word abide in you. That's a safe place. Out there isn't so safe. And I found out because I got an attack through that woman, the enemy got to me. So that's the first thing she did. She gave me permission to be kind of selfish for a season and just keep this word in my heart and not even think I had to share it with anybody. I just needed it myself. And the second thing she did was she said, you're not going to go home with us. And she took me to the pastor and she told the pastor what was going on. And she had, she had that pastor pray for me. And he opened up that Bible, his Bible. And he opened it to 2 Timothy 1, 7. And he said, read this. God did not give you a spirit of fear. But he gave you power and love and a sound mind. And then he laid hands on me and prayed and broke off that spirit of fear. And, and I needed that. But the reason I said all that is because people... The way they talk to you and the words that they speak can really be an attack of the enemy. And the last thing on this list is being around or hearing about others with the same or similar disease that you're fighting. Seems like they come out of the woodwork. Uh, several years ago, I had that mass in my neck, and I'm teaching healing classes. And I had about four or five people that came, lymphoma in their neck, throat cancer, oral cancer, all kinds of cancer in the neck. Many of them. I had never had any other people with that until then. And the enemy was bringing them. I mean, I was still going to minister and I was still going to teach the word. But it was like, oh. I mean, I knew his tactics, but it wasn't easy. So those are just some of the things the enemy does. He sets the trap with these pieces of bait when he does, he'll also suggest to your mind that your prayer wasn't answered. The question is, whose report are you going to believe? Okay. Now I'm going to close with one final point. I'm going to start with this point the next time I teach, or at least it's going to be in my message. I'm going to give you some good news, some really good news. So we're talking about the importance of our faith our faith, which is the receiver that transforms from the spiritual realm where your prayers have already been answered into the physical realm. And you might be saying, but Cindy, I don't know if I have that kind of faith. Well, here's the bottom line. You do. And I'm going to give you biblical evidence. Three scriptures. First one is Romans 12, 3. <clears throat> God has dealt to every man and woman the measure of faith. I'm using the King James Version because the word the is a very specific article. In most translations, it uses the word a, a measure of faith. But this is the true translation. This is the true best translation from the, Hebrew, from the um, Greek. The measure of faith. 
Every one of us as born-again believers have the same measure of faith. What measure is that, you ask? Well, let me show you. Galatians 2.20. Paul's writing the scripture. And he's saying, my new life, my born-again life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Guys, we have the faith of the Son of God. That should be enough. The thing is, we don't know we have the faith of the Son of God. There are, I've looked this up in the scripture. I think there are about six or eight times in the New Testament where that same phrase is used. The faith of God or the faith of the Son of God that we possess. Christ is in me and I am in him. And that same goes for you. His faith is in me. Think about Jesus when he walked on this earth. He was fully man. Completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And his faith was perfect because everybody got healed. Right? He had no sin issue, nothing separating him from the Father. He, oh, I was just telling Kent this last night. We were driving home and, and I was reading about Jesus yesterday in the Bible. And uh, the account that I was reading was the account of him feeding the 5,000. He, he had, oh, he'd had a long day. He was preaching. He was teaching. He was, you know, he fed, he fed them all. I'm sure there were healings because he always healed whenever there were people there. It was late at night. He sent everybody home. He sent the apostles to go across the lake of Galilee. And then what did he do? He went to a solitary place and he prayed. He prayed. He needed that building up. He needed it. And the reason I was telling Kent that story last night is because I said, honey, we always pray before our meetings, but we haven't been praying after our meetings. I'm tired when I go home. I am so built up and so Holy Spirit anointed and energized that I don't feel tired until I get in the car. And then it's like, whoa, I'm tired. (laughs) But it's like Jesus went and prayed. And that's the son of God. So here we are. We have Christ in us. And that faith is in me. And that faith is in you. And he has dispensed his life into mine. And that brings me to my third piece of scriptural evidence that we have more than enough faith. This is the faith about, or sorry, this is the scripture about the fruit of the spirit. I'm again using the King James version, which I don't usually use, but listen to this. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. In the King James, it doesn't say faithfulness. It says faith. These fruits are given to us, are planted in us at our rebirth. I'm reborn. 
I'm a born-again child of God. That's in me. The fruit of the Spirit, listen to this. I believe I put this on your, on your, pat, on your handout. The fruit of the Spirit is the character and the life of Jesus. Let me say that again. The character and the life of Jesus lived out of us by the Holy Spirit. We get the life of Jesus. That word is zoe, the zoe life, the the God life is in us. The love of Jesus, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance, it's in me in full measure. I used to think that that was, I even taught this, that they come in seed form. I have the seed of the spirit and it has to be developed. Does the Bible say that? Nope. No, it doesn't. It says I have the fruit. I have the full mature fruit. The problem is, like everything else, a lack of knowledge or a lack of receiving that knowledge. If you start telling your soul, I have the faith of Jesus, something's going to change. Yeah. I have the faith of Jesus and so do you. So the next time we get together, we're going to talk about that faith and we're going to talk about actively using it and what, and what that looks like. So Father, I just pray over this word. I pray for my beautiful Suzette. I pray for my amazing Nathan and Kelly. And I pray for everyone else here who is in a journey of praying without ceasing of praying effectually and fervently. And Father, I pray that this word encourages them, knowing that you are doing so much in the spiritual realm. Nathan and Kelly, Suzette, and anybody else who this is for, I want you to picture that army, those chariots, those horses that God has right now for you, your Calvary, that your prayers have been answered. And we're standing with you in faith. We're standing with you with the faith of Jesus in us. Believing that what's already done in the spiritual realm is your bread. It's your possession. And we're believing with you for the full manifestation. I call you healed. I believe I believe and I continue to believe that God's word by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed, is your bread. It's yours. Healing is yours. It's already yours. And we're believing it is going to be manifest in Jesus' holy name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus.